Good evening. As most of you know, my name is Maxwell, and I currently serve as an intern here at Christ Church. It is a uh, blessing and an honor to open God's word with you tonight. Uh, This evening, we will be in Psalm 8. Uh, If you did not bring a Bible with you here tonight, you can find that on page 450 of the Pew Bibles in front of you. If you don't have a Bible to call your own, you are more than welcome to take that Bible home with you, draw pictures in it, underline in it, make it yours. It is our gift to you. Uh, Psalm 8 is a beautiful poem. It is central to so much in God's Word. We will not exhaust it tonight. But I hope that tonight, in it, we will see that David wants us to see that the same truth was present for him then as it is for us now. That God is majestic by how he conquers and how he rules. Let's read. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let us pray. O Lord, our Lord, oh, how majestic is your name. Father, we confess immediately that when we are confronted in your word with the majesty of who you are, we confess what we can only see shadows of knowing, Lord. Father, would you give us strength? Lord, help us to handle your word rightly, to think about it correctly, Father, may it divide soul from spirit, bone from marrow in us tonight, Lord. May it convict us. May it also heal us. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. David begins his poem by looking up in praise. Praise that echoes God's covenant history with his people as he refers to God as, O Lord, O Yahweh, our Adonai, O great I am, our King. God is majestic. God has set his glory above the heavens. God is more powerful God is higher. God is infinite. God is also a conqueror of his enemies. Look with me in verse 2. 
Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. God shows his majesty by conquering his enemies by the strength of the weakest. God brings down the strongest with the weakest. Yes, God is a conqueror. God will subdue his enemies. But what is important to the psalmist here is not just that God will conquer, but how it is that he will do his conquering. God will take down, God will smite the strongest with the weakest. A truth that would have struck home for David as he saw God's majesty play out in his own life. A poor shepherd boy, the least of the sons of his father, was anointed to be king. He was going to overthrow a wicked king and rout armies. From his line, one would come who would be king forever. From his little nation, the king of the world would come and stamp out all of his foes. Driven from his home, on the run, afraid for his life, David shows us in this poem that even then, when he is scared, when he is afraid, when he feels alone, he knows that this is God's plan. Whether it's Noah, Moses, Abraham, you and me, this is how God does his business. God uses those who appear weak to decimate his powerful enemies. God intends to pacify them by the strength of those who appear powerless, a plan which is decisively seen in Christ. Matthew quotes our Lord as citing this psalm in Matthew 21, 12 to 17. Matthew writes, Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. Matthew goes on to write, In verse 14, And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies? You have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. According to Jesus, this psalm is about him. God's promise to subdue the strongest with the weakest is fulfilled when the conqueror himself, the overlord himself, the pure and holy eternal son from the father's side takes the place of the vilest and the weakest, and the wretched, and is tortured, and is oppressed, and is killed, and is worshipped by a seemingly small group of people plagued with their own troubles. Jesus died for their sins to forgive them in their place, and that is how he conquers the forces of evil. The cosmic forces of hate, of rage, of wickedness, of pure evil 
are defeated when God becomes the weakest to defeat the strongest. And how God conquers shows us what God values. See, brothers and sisters, if we want to see God rightly, if we want to be on the right side of God's campaign against wickedness and oppression, if you want to have your sins forgiven, if you want to see the cosmic forces of evil conquered, you must become like a little baby. You must be weak. You must be humble. We must count others better than ourselves. But isn't that the hardest pill to swallow? Because it's so hard to be humble when you're on top. But it is so hard to be happy when you are at rock bottom. Brothers and sisters, do we, do we understand that this is who our God is? He identifies with the poor, with the weak, with the oppressed. Are you struggling? Are you suffering? Are you upset that your body is failing you? There are some problems that medication can't fix. God loves you. God became like you. Are you mourning your sin? Are you poor? Do not despise yourself. God loves you. God became the weakest to defeat the strongest. A principle which must reverberate into each and every one of our lives. If we're to be conformed to God's image, we must love the weakest. We must love the vilest. We must love those who oppress us, and who hurt us, who torture us. We must forgive them because God in Christ forgave us first. We must be humble. But it is scary to be weak and insignificant and small. But David says that that's exactly where God meets us. Look with me at verse 3. When I look at your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. God rules over the whole universe. With the flick of his wrist, he created all things. With the works of his fingers, he picks up the sun and puts it into place. Stacked up against the vast reaches of space, our lives do seem pretty insignificant. But God does not think that your life is insignificant at all. God rules the world. But look with me in verse 5, verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings 
and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the seas. God, the same God who could unravel the fabric of reality at will, who with the touch of his hand could dissolve every atom like dust, chooses to rule his universe through beings he made of dust. And what does this tell us? Among so many other things, we see the same principle from before refracted in a different way. God rules the strongest, the biggest, through the weakest. And that means, brothers and sisters, that your dignity as a human being is not about how conventionally attractive you are, how successful you are, how good at your job you are. God loves you because he made you. God has a wonderful plan for your life because you are made in his image. But brothers and sisters, why do we spend so much time idolizing those who are strong, those who the world believes are attractive, those who have the lifestyles we want, the car we want, the husband we want, the wife we want, the job that we want, the vacation home that we want? when your value does not come from any of those things. Your value is that God God made you in his image. God has a wonderful plan for your life. Because you are made in his image, God has given you a position over the whole of his creation, a position that we lost because of sin, a position that each of us have forfeited by sin as it tears us asunder from God's creation, from each other. Sin turns us against ourselves. Sin turns us against God. But praise be to God in Christ that his plan for the end of time is to make all things new. So why do we live like the value system of this world determines anything for us? When God has decisively acted in history and made you his son, made you his daughter by his body and his blood broken for you, shed for you on the cross for your sins. There's so much that we could say about Psalm 8, so much more it has to teach us. Uh, I would encourage each of you to meditate on its words, to go read a good commentary on it. We've seen in this psalm pieces, refractions of the beginning of time and the end of time, the awe-inspiring reality of God's awesome power, how when we know that we are weak and insignificant, that magnifies God's majesty because he cares for us. And this psalm ends just like it started. 
O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let us pray. O Lord, we thank you that you are a majestic God, preexistent, eternal, righteous in power. And yet you have stooped so low to love us. God, I pray that you would empower us to love you and love one another in the way that is fitting, God, in the ways that you have shown us in your word. Lord, would your Holy Spirit empower us to do so. Write these truths on our hearts, Father. In your name I pray. Amen.